This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Mike Planetta, welcome to Viral Jesus. I had the shows reach out, four different shows, and I remember being like, all right, God, like, if you truly want me to go on this, like, just make it clear. Because I was like, there's no way this where he's calling me to go. And then the very next day, The Bachelorette reached out again, and I, and I said, okay, you know, I'll go through the uh, interview process. But I remember specifically saying, if there's a bump in the road, I'm not doing this. And I kind of like, I just was very blunt about my faith. I guess kind of in a way to scare him off where it's like, hey, like you got to understand what comes with me. Like this is who I am. And all of a sudden I blinked and three weeks later, I'm sitting in quarantine prepping for a season. And I'm like, what just happened? From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. This is our last conversation episode of 2023. We are doing a little bachelor pod class Two, because I have Mike Planeta today from The Bachelor. And then when we come back, by the way, put this in your calendar. We are back on January 11, and I'm going to sit down with Madison Pruitt, who was also runner-up on The Bachelor. So a little reality TV pod class for you. I don't know why I set it up that way. I think because over the holidays, <laughs> over like... You know, my Christmas break is when I probably watch more television than I do all year, and it spilled over into Viral Jesus. But I'm so excited about these conversations. You are going to love them, calling all Bachelor Nation today. But first, are you ready for Social Toolkit? This is where we discuss practical tips and best practices for entering the chat. Today, we are with my favorite social media whiz kid, Brady Shearer. Brady Shearer is the director of Pro Church Tools and church software platform Nucleus. He helps churches navigate the biggest communication shift in 500 years. I saw a post that you did on social media on your Instagram where you talked about how people often will say to you something like, well, the early church didn't have social media. How do you respond to that type of criticism? Well, usually they tell me on social media, so that's a good place to start. In uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it, I mean, the, the irony is a big part of it, but in all seriousness, you know what? What I'll typically get to is, look, if if you believe, and your actions show that, social media <laughs> is useful enough to spread the belief that social media is bad, then it must be equally useful to share the message that God is good. Or, or I'll say something like, hey, you know what else the early church didn't have? You know, uh, the air conditioning and indoor plumbing, uh, 
the New Testament, nonprofit status. Does your church have any of those? It's a shame. You must not be, you know, abiding by uh, the ethic that you've set forth. I think, you know, theologically, uh, from a theological standpoint, it, it's just the Great Commission, you know, going and being where the people are. And social media is unique, unlike anything else we've seen in human history in respect to attention and scale. Every age group, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic status, rural, urban, suburban, education, the majority of all of those groups, U.S. adults, use social every every day, every single day. There's just really nothing like that. And if I told you about something like that two decades ago, you would have said, okay, well, there's no way a church could get access to that. You know, maybe that's like a Super Bowl ad. Like it must have like, a, it must cost a ton of money. It's like, no, no, no. Distribution is free. And in the era of what we call discovery algorithms, where your content can be seen by people that are not following you. It's very realistic. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Distribution in your local area to people that you're not connected with is also free. And I was talking with a church that, that we work with, and this was a, a church we had just started working with, so it had only been a month, and a uh, smaller, smaller church on the East Coast. And he's like, yeah, I went to the grocery store, and I was picking up like a grocery order. So I'm standing there and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And the guy comes up and he has my groceries and he's like, hey, are you a pastor? And this guy goes, uh, yeah, I am a pastor. Oh, he's wow. like, oh, I've seen you all over my TikTok feed. My, my wife and I are new to town. We're going to be attending your church. We're just planning our date. Uh, and he's like, this was the second time this happened. The first time was when someone came up to me at work because I'm a bivocational pastor. And they said, are you a minister? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, oh, I saw you on my TikTok feed as well. So this is like small church just started using social media and they're reaching people in their local area. Mm -hmm. And when we first started working with this pastor, he told me, he's like, Brady, I just I just wish people knew we were here. We've been here 40 years and, and people still ask, like, oh, you're, I didn't even know that church existed. And so they're using social media to create awareness. It's leading to people visiting in person. I, I just don't see any theological reason uh, to to demonize something like social media, of course, it has right. its, its drawbacks because anything that is this powerful and this much attention and this much scale will be used by bad actors, but can also be used by us as churches sharing the goodness of God with a world that needs it. Can I ask you a question I didn't prep you for at all? Please. But you brought it up in your response. What do you think about churches paying for the Super Bowl ad? Is that an effective use of resources or what were your thoughts? Jeez, I think that... <laughs> The this is not a trap either. I'm just curious. Uh, so the brands that pay for Super Bowl ads are not really brands that will pay for one ad and never be heard from again. They are the biggest brands in the world that are kind of like, hey, this is going to be our moment. And so if you had that kind of money, I wouldn't spend it all on Super Bowl ads. If you had, you know, let's say a Super Bowl ad costs $5 million. If you had $100 million and you wanted to allocate $5 million of that, to uh, Super Bowl mm. ads. Now, a church with a $100 million marketing budget, yeah, even that's probably, that's definitely beyond my pay grade, I think, so. <laughs> Brady Shearer, thank you for helping us add another tool to our social toolkit. Mike Planeta was on the 17th season of The Bachelorette. I met him last year at a conference we were both speaking at in California, and I just adored him. We just became little conference buddies, and he made national headlines, of course, when he talked about his faith on The Bachelor, on a national television program, and how his faith had impacted his decision to wait 
for sex until marriage. He is just such a genuinely sweet soul and authentic, genuine person. I am so excited for you to meet him. So here is my conversation with Mikey or Mike Planeta. So I like to open up this show by doing some digging and seeing what I can find out about somebody on the internet. So for you, and I went through like all your Instagram posts. Usually I read something that somebody posted, but you like, you like still use Instagram, Mikey. Like people used Instagram like in 2012. Like you like post a dog and you're like, I love Literally. dogs. And it's like just this cute picture of you with a dog. Yeah. So I didn't pull anything from yeah. there, but here's what I got. So I found this article about you that you did with Bachelor Nation and they did 20 questions with Mikey Planeta. And question number one that they asked you, it was this, what is a taboo topic you love talking about? And you said, Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Which I thought was just so sweet to see on a Bachelor Nation article. Yeah, no. I, I honestly, I forgot what the questions even were. So I, I love that this is what we're talking about. But yeah, no, that's a topic that I don't think is taboo. I I love it, obviously. You know that. We've talked about that. But but on The Bachelor, it kind of is, yeah. right? Or what, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is probably there. But my thing is, though, it's taboo until you talk about it. And I think that's when a lot of people are like, mm. well, actually, no, I, I'm kind of on the same page. So that was kind of my approach with it there is I know a lot of people have the same beliefs, but maybe sometimes people won't, you know, I don't want to say not be as as outspoken about it, but sometimes it may not come up in the conversation mm. as quickly. Um, for me, I mean, I just, I mean, I love the dude. So I'm like, I, I want to talk about him, right? Yeah. So that's probably why I answered the taboo topic to get that, to plant the seed of like, oh, okay, well, what is it about Jesus that we want to talk about? And then that's just a segue to just talk about the thing that you love. I heard something a long time ago. It's like, why would you not talk about the thing that you love most? And that's kind of why I always, mm. why I always bring them up. So, yeah. What was kind of your experience like being, actually, you weren't on The Bachelor, you were on The mm -hmm. Bachelorette. Yeah, yeah. What season were you on? I was on season 17. So I was like, Right around two years ago now. Yeah, it's when it aired. Okay. Oh my goodness, this is fairly recent. Good. Yeah, yeah. So this is all very recent for you. Yeah, yeah. What was your experience like being so open about faith on a reality television show that's so, you know, like dating, sex focused? Yeah. Like, did you feel like they casted you intentionally as like the Christian or did that just happen later? So I didn't know that until later. And it's because I'd never seen the show. Oh. So I went in blind. So I kind of, and, and I'm not. Mikey, wait, wait. You signed up to go on a show with cameras following you and you didn't watch it? No. So what happened actually was like long story short, I had had over about a five year span. I'd had shows kind of reach out and a lot of them were dating shows and and the bachelorette. Wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. No, let's go backwards now. Yeah. How does one just have shows reach out and be like, hey, pal, I'd love to. How does that happen? I was asking the same question. I literally was like, I, I was, I would get DMs and on Instagram and I would be like, well, I wouldn't respond because I didn't think they were serious. I just thought they were like spams and come to find out it was actually the shows that were reaching out. So fast forward <laughs> to February of 2021. I shot the show in um, March of 2021. So that was when we filmed and then it aired later. Oh my goodness, a month later. I had the shows reach out, four different shows. And I remember being like, 
all right, God, like, if you truly want me to go on this, like, just make it clear. Cause I was like, there's no way this is where he's calling me to go. <laughs> so I ended up, um, I was like, I'm not doing this. And the very next day, the bachelorette reached out again. And I, and I said, okay, you know, I'll go through the uh, interview process. But I remember specifically saying, I'm like, if there's, a, and this is me having a conversation with God, I'm like, if there's a bump in the road, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. And I kind of like, I just was very blunt about my faith, I guess, kind of in a way to scare him off where it's like, Hey, like, you got to understand what comes with me. Like, this is who I am. And all of a sudden I blinked and three weeks later, I'm sitting in quarantine prepping for a season. And I'm like, what just happened? So it just happened really quickly. And it's funny. They told me, they're like, do not watch it. They're like, you honestly, it's going to be so much more organic for you to just go in without knowing. And I'm kind of glad I did because sometimes I'm a very rational thinker where I go, Ah, it's not for me. And the reason I didn't care to watch it is because I truly felt like God was mm. calling me there. I'm like, okay, you've made this brutally obvious. Like they've reached out for five years. You've had these other dating shows reaching out to. He's calling you to step into something that's maybe out of your comfort zone that you'd never expect him to to call you to. And I, I tell people this all the time. I'm oh like, my don't kind of put God in a box. Your missions work can be literally in the most crazy situations. You put you know peace on my heart for it. And I said, Okay, I'll go. And I'm glad I didn't watch it because when I tell you, I had no idea what was going on. Like, I remember, I remember the first group date, I actually won the date. And um, I, so I'm thinking like, oh, I'm good. I'm chilling. And they said, well, no, you still actually got to get a rose. So I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm still on the chopping block. I didn't know. So I didn't really know how it all worked. So each day was very new for me. And they bring in like these people that were associated with The Bachelor. And I'm like, and people are saying, oh, that's so-and-so. And I'm like, I have no idea who any of these people are. So I had no idea who the girl was until I got out of the limo. I walked out and I was like, oh, wow, I had no idea. So it was a, it was an interesting experience. So just for people who haven't watched it, so you became kind of like a national conversation on the show because you talked very openly mm-hmm. about waiting until you were married to have sex. And I think some yeah. of it is like we don't hear that message quite as often from men. So that really stood yeah. out for people. But what has dating been like after having like a really public conversation about your sex life? What has like your interviews, does everybody focus on that now when they talk? I told you before we got out, I was like, I don't want to just sit and ask you about your sex life because, but that's kind yeah, of yeah. how everybody started having these conversations in their homes, right? Was because of you. Yeah. And, and, and you are right. I think it was shocking because it was coming from a man where they, it's, it's a little, it's unique, right? A lot of times, you know, a lot of men want to, um, or culture at least wants to promote like, you know, a, a different type of um, outlook on sex. And for me, it, it wasn't even about, and this is what I always tell people. And when they ask the question about, you know, waiting till marriage, or why are you a virgin? Or why is this? And and it's, for me, it's, it's a great segue to answer the why. All I want to talk about is the why. Mm. Like, it's not so much of what I'm doing. It's the why to what I'm doing. Um, and, and that mm. is very applicable to anything in life. The way I try to get to know people is I always ask them like, oh, well, why do you do this? Oh, like, well, well, what about this? Or what about that? And I'm very curious about that. And of course, when you go on, you know, national TV and, and the interesting part was I'm going to be painted as the token virgin on the show or I was, you know. Right. But, that was because I was put in a situation on the show where my hands were tied. I had no other choice. I was on a sex date and, and I kind of, it was one of my first conversations with her and I had to just 
I had to talk about it. So it was strategic like that, why they put me in that situation. Mm. But I don't mind because what I explained to her is, hey, listen, this may look different to you, but here's the reasoning why to what I'm doing. And I think that's actually why it was received in a different way than even normally what a token virgin would be because people go, oh, he actually understands why he's doing this. And that's kind of the the topic around it. That's the taboo around it, like we talked about in the beginning. Right. And what a beautiful place to then get to talk about, you know, what God's word says about it. And that's kind of how I explain my why is I say, listen, okay, I trust that God's wisdom is greater than mine. So if I trust that, that takes a lot of pressure mm-hmm. off me to then have to go out and make all these really hard decisions, especially like in the heat of the moment or or just sometimes I think we think of things shallow, not just sex, but we think of things shallow where I try to really think of things to the fullest extent, especially when it comes to another person. So God's word says, you know, mm. you know you're going to honor her. This is my daughter. And he's also saying to us, like, your body was bought with a price. Like, this isn't mm. yours. And I get to understand it through his lens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes a lot of pressure off me where I'm like, okay, well, now I just kind of have to be obedient to the one that I love most, God, and I get to be obedient to his wisdom. And then I get to apply that to my relationship. And that takes the pressure off me. And to me, that's simple, right? Does it mean that it's easy? Of course it's not. I have temptations, desires. Of course I do that. That doesn't leave, right. but it helps you combat it. I'll give you an example. That episode aired June 14th. And from June 14th to June 21st, I had 40,000 DMs from Christians, non-Christians, Hindus, Muslims, Jewish people. I had everybody that reached out and really it was overwhelmingly positive where they said, hey, listen, I may not even be on the same stance as you, but I appreciate you staying true to who you were or explaining the why to what you were doing um, because it then makes sense. So. That's where I actually went, okay, God, I get it. Like, I get why I was there. I get why you used, you know, such a flawed human like me to talk about something that essentially I trust is true, right? And I went in blind, then I get thrown in the wolves, but I don't mind that because as a Christian, I don't want to be a timid Christian. You know, I want to be a Christian that wants to be refined, Mm. wants to be challenged. And it's kind of funny, actually. I was in a season before the show where I was kind of like calling out to God, like challenge me. Like literally, I, I literally said like challenge me, like I'm, I'm ready for this. Mm. And it kind of was like, well, put your money where your mouth is. You're going to do this in front of the national audience. And if you really mm. say that you're going to stay true to this, then you got to stay bold in this. And I remember having a conversation when I walked in into that date going like, I, cause I knew what was happening. It was much more vulgar that the date was than it showed. And I remember walking Mm. in going, I don't care if I'm canceled. I don't care if if I look like a fool. I was like, as long as I'm walking with you and I'm doing exactly what you asked me to do, I was like, we'll be fine. And just like God does, literally made it what the world would view as a weird, awkward moment Mm. into a beautiful moment that then actually touched a lot of people that I never in a million years thought that it would. Um, And it's led to this topic of the conversation of, Culture promotes sex a certain way. So why not have a different conversation than what God says about it? Like, that's all I'm asking. I'm not here saying, oh, this or that, or I'm just saying, well, there's another way. So let's have a cordial conversation about it and let's be able to explain Mm -hmm. our why. It's as simple as that. Here's what I love about you. I think you'll resonate with this. You have stayed really true to yourself. 
And something I love, Brene Brown says that the opposite of belonging is fitting in. So we think that trying to change ourselves so we can fit in will make us happier, but true belonging is about showing up as we are and asking other people to accept us as we are. And essentially that's, I think, what you did and continue to do. No, I I really appreciate that. For me, and I love what you said there, because it's true. That's my issue with culture, right? Is culture saying, okay, this is a standard we set. So if you're not that, then you don't fit in. Where God's saying, no, I actually made you wonderfully and beautifully your own. And I'm mm. calling you to step into that. Um, and how cool is that? Because now you're one-on-one. And like, to me, I'm like, why would I shortchange myself? You know, um, if this is what he put on my heart and this is what he's calling me to walk in, then why be timid about it? And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, I'm not doing mm. this because of me. Like, I'm doing this because I truly yeah. believe this is what he's calling me to do. And I want my wife to feel honored. You know, I want her to feel like she was loved and that she was chosen before I even met her, you know, and that she was on my mind. Yeah. But nothing is sustainable if you don't truly believe in what you're actually doing. You will fall off so quick. Mm. You know, and that applies to every aspect of life. If you truly are just going in one foot in, one foot out, at some point, there's going to be no consistency. It's those moments where I feel like the refining happens where you go, okay, if this is truly what I believe, then I'm either going to like stand for this or I'm going to fall for everything. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. So did you always feel like you were going to make some type of national impact or were you super surprised by the trajectory that your life has taken? Like when you were a teenager, did you ever have those thoughts that, okay, I I just have this feeling that one day people are going to know my story or I'm going to have this opportunity to speak in a national way? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to answer this with, with a different approach. I feel like when I was younger, I always had this internal struggle with, you know, like oh, people are going to know who you are. And it can be a really dangerous place to be in if you're thinking that people are going to recognize you or know who you are, or if they're going to know who Christ is. And I think that's always been kind of a, like a self-check that God's kind of given me where he's like, listen, whether you're in the smallest moment or if you're in front of millions of people, you know, are you going to make it about yourself or is it going to be about me? that I was going to be called to do something because I don't think it's it's small or big. I, I don't think like that. I think it really comes down to, 
are you going to be obedient to what I'm calling you to step into or are you not? The reason I bring that up, because to answer your question, I think when you you know, are thrown in a moment, whether that's in front of millions of people on TV or if that's in everyday life, a lot of times we think we're just going to be ready, especially if it's in front of millions of people. Like It's going to eat you up and, and it's going to become ego. And in fact, it's dangerous as a Christian because a lot of times it's going to take you apart from your foundation, which is Christ. So, so I try to answer it differently now. Um, have I always known that that I was going to be put in a situation where I feel like I was going to be given the platform in front of people to talk about Jesus. I have always kind of felt that, um, but I've had this internal struggle always to not make it about myself. So I know you get what I'm saying with that answer. And I think I'll have that internal struggle until the day that I die, honestly, because I, I just don't ever want it to be that. I want it to be that or what God's given me. I just want to be obedient in it. And it's difficult but yeah, that's kind of the answer. I want to ask you more about that, actually. What things do you do to try to safeguard yourself from like losing the ability to be humble? How do you actually get national attention? And I think that because we have so many people that listen to this that are content creators, it's really worth asking your opinion on this. How do we walk that line between... I'm trying to create content that people will obviously see and that will matter. And, but by the way, I don't want this to be about me. I want to maintain that this has always been about God. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that's the million dollar question, right? And especially when it comes into, I know you and I have discussed this in the past, is when it comes to Christian influencing, it's a slippery slope and it's a dangerous slope because I feel like the question we have to ask ourselves, you know, is, is it about me? Is it about the likes? Is it about the follows? Is it about me growing? Is it about me monetizing? Is it about people knowing who I am? Or is it truly getting the gospel out there? Um, first and foremost, what does God say about it? What is, you know, and, and a lot of people will be like, well, God doesn't talk about influencing in scripture. <laughs> no, but he does. I mean, his disciples were essentially influencers, right? And they were like true influencers. That was a really difficult uh, time to do that. I mean, let's talk about Jesus. He was the influencer. But I feel like how our culture sees influencing is by agreeing, right? By not ruffling too many feathers, just just kind of go with the crowd, right? And that way you'll be able to stay relevant and popular where I feel like, first and foremost, like I said, I try to find it in scripture. What is God telling me? How's he calling me to be a Christian? How's he calling me to live? How's he calling me to love? What does that look like? And then second is I give authority to, you know, uh, not just my family, but mentors in my life that are calling me out. I give them, you know, the ability to do that where it's like, Hey, do you, cause I think sometimes we don't even see some of the things that we're doing. Um, I'll give you one example, one mentor in my life. My dad's like my mentor. He's like my hero, but, um, I have one more mentor in my life that, uh, and a few of them, but he's one specifically who came, uh, to me after the show and was like, listen, you're going to be walking through an interesting uh, time in your life. And he's like, and I want to be here by your side. So we're going to meet literally once every two weeks. You're going to be completely transparent with me through everything. And it's helped me so much because, you know, I have somebody that is seeing what I'm going through, but he's on the outskirts of it, giving me a whole different perspective that I know is embedded in scripture. Um, so I really think it's one, Find out what God's saying about it. Two, give people authority in your life. A lot of times that aren't in that influencing area, 
who are kind of, and I'm not saying you, you can find mentors within that, but sometimes find it, have some that aren't in it because they're giving you a different perspective. Uh, and I think that really leads to, to wisdom for me when I have others that are constantly checking my intention in my heart, like, Hey, how are you doing with this? Like, are you feeling pressure to compromise in areas? Are you feeling pressure to put on this, you know, front, or do you feel like you can still authentically be you and be vulnerable and transparent? Um, not just about how great our faith is, but also about your weaknesses. And that's a very healthy place to be in, you know, cause I don't want to be overly critical, um, especially in the influencer world, but especially the Christian influencing world, because spreading the gospel is a beautiful thing. Right. And I don't think that we should limit ourselves to the way that we should be spreading the gospel. But I do think, you know, it talks about this in scripture, like to whom much is given comes great responsibility. Um, and I think our approach as Christian influencers should not be taken with caution and it should be taken with great responsibility because the reality is a lot of times you may be someone's first impression of, of our faith or, or only impression. Um, and, and that comes with great responsibility. So my advice would be one, go to scripture, go see what God's telling you to be and how to act. And, and that's going to one, create a foundation where that's going to check your intention Two, build a network around you of trusted people that, you know, are, are in the word with God and, you know, are examples of, of what Christians should look like. And then give them that authority to hold you accountable. I literally was just having this conversation in my own head, in my car yesterday a friend sent me a reel that this Christian had posted and she was like, can you believe that they would say something like this? And I, it was interesting because I thought to myself, hmm, I actually agreed with kind of like the point they were making, but I would never say it publicly at this moment because I feel like I would be responsible for how other people would take that and run with it in a way that I just think could be a really dangerous thing. And I, so anyway, I was just sitting yesterday thinking with God, like, oh, I just want to be always so careful that I don't say things that I know may get a lot of likes, right? Or have high engagement because it's kind of preaching to the choir without yeah. feeling like, you know what I mean? Without knowing like in integrity of my spirit that God is okay with me saying like something like this so publicly. Does that make sense? Like there are no, things that I would sense. say to my friends, you know what I mean? That I wouldn't want to say online because I'm like, I don't know you and I don't know how yeah. you may take this in the context of your own life in a way that I never intended. But if we were to have a conversation face-to-face, -face, you would know my heart behind it. No, and that makes perfect sense. And I think, I think, which is why my approach so often has shifted to and take this with a grain of salt because I, I, I know you know the angle that I'm coming with here is like, I try to take me and my experience. I, I definitely think experience is a beautiful bridge to, to Christ. There's no question about it. But I don't want to get so hung up on the experience of things. And I want to just focus on who Christ is. Hmm. Because I think when we focus on who Christ is and what Scripture says about Christ, then it, it becomes so much easier and there's less pressure of, should I be saying this? Should I be saying that? I think what's so beautiful about this and I think you would agree with this. These were the very conversations I feel like the disciples were having with, with right. Jesus, where they're like, hey, should I say this? Should I not? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to look? Did I do this wrong? And I think, 
you know, there's been a, a couple of great representations, especially from shows with this, the chosen being one is it shows the grace of Christ is where he's like, listen, this is going to be difficult. I did not pick perfect people, but what I need from you is obedience. And I need from you to be coachable. You know, I mean, you sit there and look at the last supper. He tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but yet still chooses him, still loves him, still speaks authority into him to where he eventually, you know, upon this rock, you'll build my church. I, I think the one common thing in it though, is that Peter knew and all the disciples they knew what they were apart from Christ. And I think when we know that as Christians, mm. then we then can communicate that with humility so much differently, which then makes it so easy to point who you are with Christ, right? And there has to be that, that line that has to be effectively communicated. You can talk about experience. You can talk about all these different things. You can talk about culture. You can do all these things. As long as a line is drawn of who you are with Christ and who you are apart from Christ, and most importantly, who Christ is. When we live in that space, I feel like that's true Christian influence. My head is like, I'm hurting my neck because I'm <laughs> I'm <laughs> nodding it so hard because I totally know what you're talking about. And I've been struggling within myself. I am still learning how to offer people the same grace that I know that God offers me. And for example, yeah. when somebody sent me that reel of this other Christian influencer and my instinct was like, oh, that just feels yucky to me. Like, why would you say that? And then I had to remind myself, oh, God loves this person, right? And like my jump to be critical of them may not be the same jump that God would take. And so I'm still constantly teaching myself that like, I don't speak for God. Right. Like, I hope I'm often speaking like to how amazing he's been in my life, but I don't get to decide who is bad or who is good based on a few second reel. I think that we can see from Christian influencers online. And I, I'm just trying to keep walking that. Beth Moore puts it this way. And I, I love this quote. It's from her most recent memoir. She says, If God is love, then the Antichrist is hate. And I have been trying to put that lens on myself so much as, you know, we just deal with more tense times with people and you think this and mm. I disagree with you. And it's like, no, whenever I step away from trying to like will the best or see the best intentions in the other person, I am giving into like the influence of the devil. And I have to be honest with myself about my mm. judgmentalness towards others. I don't know if you relate to that at all. Yes, of course I do. and and. And that's the perspective, like I said, that always helps me is what you hit on the head. It is so easy to give our and grace. But yet when others are in that same situation, I feel like, you know, when true sacrifice is actually extending that grace faster to them than yourself or, or, you know, and, and, and it talks about this with marriage. It talks about, you know, husbands love your wives as you love your own body. And it's like, I think what he's meaning is, are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to do all these different things just the way you would yourself? And most times out of not, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it's a, it's a space that we just have to be very aware of. And this is what's so interesting about it. And the disciples are such a beautiful example of this. Do the work in yourself. When we are self-aware and we do the work in ourselves, and we realize what we actually are, it takes the pressure off. And it then allows us to, you know, extend grace. You know, I, there's one of my favorite quotes is, I'm going to paraphrase this because I'm not going to fully get it. 
but it says usually those who have been the biggest recipients of grace are the ones who extend it the most. Yeah. And it's like, that's so true, right? Is it's as simple as this is like, I don't have to have the pressure um, to be the judge of everything. Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes from, it's actually from Billy Graham and it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's my job to love. And I think that's such a beautiful representation of our faith. And it's, and it's the reality of it. I have to go around loving. Um, and that, and love is very different from just agreeing, right? Love is, mm. is being obedient to what God's word is. Um, so listen, I feel like it's as simple as this. Remember who God is, let him be God. And then we just get to follow. Like all I want to be is a follower. That's it. Um, and I feel like if I take that pressure off myself, then I don't have to worry about whether or not I was going to, you know, be in front of millions of people or do all these different things. And it's, it's so funny. And I, I mentioned this before. I felt that piece on the show. When I walked in, especially on the one day where it was, you know, supposed to be super intense and I essentially got thrown in the wolves. I remember that to the day that I die, I'll remember that conversation I had with God. I don't care if I get canceled. I don't care if I get embarrassed as long as I am obedient to what you're calling me to do. Mm. When I tell you the peace that followed with that, it allowed me to move with a different perspective. It allowed me to move with love in sight. Um, and I don't always do that, you know? So I've, I've been, I have fallen way more times than not in that. But I think that's what God calls us to, to do. He calls us to call on him and say, listen, let me, let me drive this this boat. And if you let me do that, not saying things, things are going to be easy for you, but they're going to be perfect because he's doing it. Mikey Planeta was on the 17th season of The Bachelorette. He is also a great speaker. I have seen him in person. If your church is looking to bring someone out to talk about dating or relationships, I can vouch for him. He is on IG. You can find him at Mikey Planeta. How do they, is there a way somebody could contact you? Do you have a website? Um, I do not, but I have an email and it's in my bio on Instagram so they can reach out that way. Okay. Check his bio on Instagram and get his email. Mikey, our show is called Viral Jesus. What do you think it means to be a Christian when we are online? I think what it means to be a Christian when we are online, I really think it's to remember, like I said before, who Christ is. If we can remember who Christ is, then, then being a Christian online, you're going to have a different perspective. Your perspective is going to be through a lens of love and a lens of grace. Don't buy into the fact that being a Christian online means perfection. Um, it means talking about who the perfect one was, and that was Jesus. And for us, we just have to have humility. When we have humility, the rest falls in place. Um, because it is a wild world on the internet, just like, just like you know. So take the pressure off yourself and um, lead with love, lead with grace, and lead with humility. Um, and lead others to the perfect one, which is Christ. And I think that's what it means to be a Christian online. Mikey Planeta was on the 17th season of The Bachelorette. You can find him on IG at Mikey Planeta. I'll also put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Mikey, for joining us. Thank you. What can we learn from our conversation with Mike Planeta? Number one, Mike says he always goes through this self-check process where he asks himself, are you making this about you or are you making it about God? Do you want people to know who you are or do you want people to know who God is? Number two, Mike says that it will always be an internal struggle 
to not make life about you. We have to start practicing that, he says, in small ways, because if you're waiting for the national stage or to be on all these talk shows or to be on a television show for you to prove that you have chosen to make God first and foremost the center of your life and the center of your conversation. He says that won't be possible in the big moments if you haven't already done it in all the quiet, small ways. Number three, Mike says Christian influencing is a slippery slope. But were the disciples not influencing the culture around them? Your influence has to remain in obedience to God's influence. Mike says that one way that he does that is to include spiritual mentors and wise spiritual counsel that is speaking into his life. And they're calling him out on stuff that he's getting wrong. And he's submitting himself to their authority. This is how you stay grounded. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We are on a break until January 11th, so I will miss you. By the way, my birthday is January 1st, so I will be 37 when I meet you again on January 11th for our Conversation Thursday episodes. But don't worry, I still have three more devotional thoughts coming to you every single Monday for the rest of 2023. So you can tune into those. I love growing with you, friend, on Viral Jesus. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.